0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at GraceCitysd.com. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heaven. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. And um, we thank you for your grace, for your peace, and we thank you for your wisdom, Lord, that you want to give to us so freely God. Um, I just ask that you may prepare our hearts for the message today, Lord. Uh, may you quiet our spirits so that we can hear what you have to say to us. May you uh, just bless Ra- Pastor Randall as he shares his me- message today, Lord. Um, we love you, and we thank you God. in Jesus' name. we pray. Amen.: Amen
1: Thank you, Carly. Um, good morning so can we just thank Carly Carly does so much for our kids and Just to tell you a little bit about Carly, so she started as a volunteer here. She was a student uh, back in the day at UCSD, and now she's a full-time teacher, but she does this as just her ministry uh, to our church to love our kids. So I'm just so thankful for Carly and what she does. Um, welcome this morning if this is your first time. My name is Randall. I'm just one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to to be with you this morning. Um, you know, for our church, we're in this uh, 40 days before Easter. And so uh, on Wednesday, it started in, in the church calendar. It's called Ash Wednesday. Uh, but it's a 40-day period where we can think about uh, Jesus and, and the the journey that he made all the way to the cross as we celebrate the resurrection, Easter, uh, coming up very soon. Um, and so as uh, Brooke mentioned, we have these devotionals for you. We'd love for you to, to join us. And uh, we're not too far along, so it's uh, the first Sunday now that uh, we started since uh, Ash Wednesday, and then we had the Seder dinner this past week. Amazing, amazing. If you haven't been a part of one of those, I encourage you to do that, because it connects us to our roots um, as believers. Um, It it connects us uh, to the Old Testament, and to be able to see the story of God unfold, and and it was just a a beautiful time. Um, And so join us on this journey, okay? And so lean in. During this time, we're, we're looking at, at the book of Luke during this 40-day period, and then uh, we're going to finish out in the book of Luke uh, for Easter. So currently, we've been in this series um, called Ancient Wisdom in a Modern World, and we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Uh, now, this is why this series is, is important. Uh, this past week, I, I got to hear from... Uh, a man named Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer does a lot of research on the church and kind of where we're at within the church and uh, was listening to him this week. And he said, as the church, right now, uh, there's a-, a fork in the road for people. Um, it's very, it's, he says, very, two very clear, distinct paths. Um, and what we've seen in the book of Proverbs is that uh, God's word says that there are two paths, right? There are two directions that you can go. Um, He says, you know, we kind of thought in the past there's like multiple directions you can go. But he says, really, there's two paths. And the the paths are, are you going to be a Christian or are you going to walk away from your faith? He says, it's very distinct right now on what that looks like. And so that's really the reason why we're doing the conference is I want you to be as equipped as possible to walk out your faith in everyday life. And one of the areas we've seen is this uh, dismissiveness towards wisdom of the past, towards the the ways that we've seen God's people live out in the past, and we've kind of said, you know, we've got it from here. And so what we need to do is we need to reconnect to what what does God's word really say? What does it look like to be a Christian? How do we walk out this faith? So that's the reason we're doing this Equip Conference, but as he was talking, it just hit me. He says, we don't need more attenders in church. We need people engaged in the mission of God. And so that's what this is. Like for Grace City, my hope is that you are engaged in what God is doing in the world. God is doing something beautiful. And so how can we engage in that in our everyday lives? And that's why we're studying Proverbs. And so we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. We're in Proverbs 3, 19 through 26 today. And here's the message, living Godspeed, living Godspeed. Now, over the past couple of months, as we've been studying the book of Proverbs, what we've learned is that uh, what wisdom is and also how to apply it to our lives. And we've been looking at the way that the Bible defines wisdom. And a very simple way of condensing wisdom is this. It's, it's aligning ourselves With God's design for the world. And this wisdom starts with a fear of the Lord. With a fear of the Lord. With a reverence for God. As we've looked at Proverbs 1 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning. And so, what does it look like for our lives to be in alignment with a God speed for life? Now, I say this is important because you're hearing from somebody who, in his late 20s, almost burnt out. I was on the verge of burnout because of the pace of my life, it was overwhelming. And so today we're going to look at how wisdom impacts your pace for life and my pace for life. Am I living at a God speed for life? In 2016, a series of short films were created entitled Godspeed. And it's about a, a pastor named Matt Canlis who moves from the United States to the smallest town in Scotland, a town called Methlick. And in Methlech, he becomes the pastor of this small congregation. Now in the film, he confesses. He says, I've been running for most of my life, running through life to get somewhere else. But the thing about running is that you miss things, many things. And if I kept running, I was going to miss everything. The truth is that I was centuries away and miles away from what Jesus did and what, I suppo- and what I was supposed to be doing. An elder in this small congregation, Colin Presley, observed about Matt, his new pastor, this. He says, here is a man from America, young, fast-living perhaps, and we thought, well, we could maybe educate him in the more slower things of life. See, what Matt learns from this small community, is a distinctly contrary way to life and in, in which the one he was just living. What he learns is God's speed. And this wisdom radically changed him for the better. And so how could God's wisdom impact your pace for life and my pace for life today? Well, we're going to look at Proverbs 3, 19 through 26, Just to give some background on this text, uh, it's written by King Solomon. Uh, King Solomon is the son of David, who we know from uh, the Old Testament is one of the greatest kings um, in the Old Testament and uh, arguably the greatest. And what Solomon is doing is is he's sharing with us royal wisdom. See, as the leader of, Solomon needed wisdom because if he didn't have wisdom, he could destroy a nation. See, the higher you rise in in leadership positions and roles, the more influence that you have in people's lives. And with that influence, it can either help them to flourish or it could destroy them. And so as Solomon is growing in his leadership, he also understands his need for wisdom. That's why he asked God specifically for wisdom, which God gave him. And so the book of Proverbs we we look at throughout uh, history could have been used as a training manual for life. And so the question this morning is, how do we align ourselves to God's way of life? Well, today we're going to break it down in three ways from the text and Here's what they are. The first one is it's his design. Second is his pace. And third is his presence. His design, his pace, his presence. And so let's look at verses 19 through 20 when it comes to his design. It says The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And so, what's happening here? Well, first it says that the Lord by wisdom. The Lord by wisdom. Where does life start and where does the pace for life start? The Lord. The Lord. The Lord by wisdom. Now, we've talked about this before, but this word for wisdom is the word hokmah. And this is more than just following the rules. It's the ability to make the right, right choices when, when there are no rules that explicitly tell you what to do. Like we've talked about before, wisdom helps you in, in understanding specifically time management. How do you manage your day? What do you do in a day? How does that work out? See, what we've seen is that if we stumble in wisdom, it could potentially cause more issues in our life. And to gain wisdom is to know the source of wisdom, and that's where Solomon is starting here. It's God. It's in him. G.T. Shepherd said, according to this orientation of Proverbs, All the wisdom that follows us or or follows is presented as part of a larger scripture that participates in a common understanding of the fear of the Lord. That's what we talked about before. That's where we start when we think about wisdom. Now, what we talked about is that Proverbs is not techniques for life on how how to hack life, right? Like life hacks. That's not what this is. But what Proverbs is is built out of a relationship with the living God. The fear of the Lord. And so where it starts is saying, okay, I want to take your attention off of yourself, off of your schedule, and I want to put your eyes on the Lord. Now, what do we see next as our eyes are fixed on the Lord? Well, with wisdom, he founded the earth. Okay, well, where are we being taken to next? Okay, our our eyes are focused on the Lord, but now he's taking us back to what? Creation. Creation. See, God created. God designed. God was intentional in the way that He designed. What we see in Genesis 2 23 is this. On the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in in creation. He created the universe. He created the animals, the, the creatures of the sea. He created you and me. And it says on the seventh day that he rested Now, this word for for rest is, is the word that we get the word Sabbath from. Sabbath. After God creates, he Sabbathed. He rested. Charles Ryrie says this. He says, Sabbath was instituted at creation. God ceased from his labor on the seventh day of creation and set a pattern for man to follow. So what we see here is that God set it in his design for a day of rest. That was from his, the start. See, as we look into and dig into God's design from the beginning, we see that he created man and woman in his image. Genesis 126, right? We are created in his image. But also, God created us, and made us for him. God's design. God created you with purpose, intention, and he said, follow in my footsteps. Now, did God need to rest because he was tired? No. But God rested because he's setting for us a pattern, and a design for his creation. See, we see this in the Ten Commandments. Jesus um, alludes to it in the Old Testament, but we see that, that from the very start, God set this into our lives. Because the fourth commandment tells us, remember the Sabbath day and keep it Holy. We see it in Exodus 20. We also see it in Deuteronomy 5. As we think about what what this design and this intentionality looks like, Marva J. Don says this. She, She says, Sabbath ceasing means to cease not only from work itself, but also from the need to accomplish and be productive. From the worry and tension that accompany our modern criterion of efficiency from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if we were God, from our possessiveness and our enculturation, and finally, from the humdrum and meaninglessness that result when life is pursued without the Lord at the center of it all. Why do we need to think about creation? Because we need to to remember God's design and also that God is God. God is God. See, if I'm not living in the fear of the Lord, then what happens? I rage against his design. I fight against it. I I I push against it and say, No, 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 I know better, God. See, why do we struggle so much? Well, because after God's creation, we see in Genesis chapter three the fall of man. We see the fall of humanity. We see sin enters the world. And like we've talked about before, sin is me at the center. It's I, I, I. I've got it from here, God. But to live in alignment and in the wisdom and the design of God is to say, I'm not in charge, but I live in the fear of the Lord. And God is God. See, what are the ways that we rage? One of them can be is that we just avoid This whole concept of Sabbath, this whole belief that we need it, like, I don't need that in my life. Dr. Stephanie Brown wrote an article in the New York Post entitled, Society's Self-Destructive Addiction to Faster Living. And she explains, a patient arrived late, tossed his cell phone on the sofa and pleaded, can you help me control my phone? It's ruining my life. What is supposed to help us is hurting us. What is supposed to free us ends up enslaving us. That's the paradox of addiction. Whatever the lure, it seems so good, so positive, so helpful, and so harmless. And then we're hooked. So society caught in a chaotic, frenzied spiral of a new addiction. People are chasing money, power, success, and a wilder, faster pace of life. Just like any addiction, people are out of control in their behaviors, feelings, and thinking. Yet they believe they are normal. This is progress in America. You always move forward, and there are no limits to how far you can go or how fast you can get there. Don't pause, don't reflect. You win or lose. You'll fall behind and fail if you stop moving fast at any cost is the mantra of a stressed and distressed American society today. See, I think there's a lot of wisdom because what that does is it's calling out our pace. See, I'm looking forward to going to Israel. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the pace is there because we have a lot to learn. And there are things that we think we already know. But it could be destroying our lives. Verse 19 says, by understanding. Verse 20 says, by his knowledge. Now, this word for understanding uh, is talking about God's intelligence and insight. This knowledge speaks to the purpose and the process. God understands and is wiser and smarter than we are, has insights into how he created us that we don't have on our own, and also has given us purpose, and there is a process in which he's laid out which is better than what we can come up with. It's very soothing. <laughs> I like that ringtone. Um, better than mine. Mine is just terrible. Um, but God's design is with Sabbath in our rhythm. See, Sabbath is God's reminder that we are not God. I was reading this book by C.J. Mahaney recently with some friends. Here's what he says. He says, the fact is, God could have created us without a need for sleep. But he chose to build this need within us, and there's spiritual purpose for it. Each night, as I confront my need again for sleep, I'm reminded that I'm a dependent creature I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not the creator. There is only one who will neither sleep nor slumber. Psalm 121.4. And I am not one. What a great spiritual insight that we are confronted with this reality every day that we can't push through this thing that we call sleep. We need it. Second, his pace. Uh, Look at verses 21 through 24. I love this. He says, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So the question is, how do we get in step with God's wisdom here? Well, first he says, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the whole of scripture, the whole of God's commands, the whole of God's design and way for life. Like, keep your eyes on this. Stay focused on this because it will be very easy. You will be very easily distracted. You'll be told there is another way. You will tell yourself that you don't need it. Don't lose sight of these. See, as we looked at before, God has a way of wisdom. And what this is encouraging us to do is to adopt this into our life. This is passionate, as Solomon is explaining, he's like pleading with, with a child saying, please listen to me. In the New Testament, Jesus describes himself as the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. So, what we find is that the way is not, again, a technique or ideas, but is a person. He's inviting you into a relationship. The fear of the Lord is a relationship with him, right? Now, let's go a little further. One commentator, Jonathan Akin, says this. He says, Solomon appeals to his son to not let wisdom and discretion depart from his sight because they are life. Keep the wisdom of this book through Jesus and it will keep you secure from the ruin of the wicked when when that comes. Solomon's point is that wisdom keeps you safe from sudden trouble. That's why you should get wisdom above all else. You you will walk safely during the days of your life and you will uh, sleep peacefully at night. This is an appeal from a parent who desperately wants his child to be safe. Don't we all? He says you won't stumble if you keep walking on the wise path. He says, again, this is generally true now but always ultimately true. So there is this way, there's this path and to keep your eyes fixed on that. Now, next, he identifies the pace along the way. The pace along the way. Here's the the word he uses. He says walk. Walk. Why does he say walk? Well, again, it's it's a pace I would go on walks with my wife in the morning. There are certain walks that she would look at me and she'd say, can't you walk a little bit faster? <laughs> like, Honey, it's 5.30 in the morning. Like, <laughs> I need to wake up a little bit. But the, the, the pace, she, she was wanting to move into almost a, a, little, a little jog, I see you. But to keep this pace of walking is hard. There's a certain thing about the the speed that that we're we're addicted to. We want that. I just want a little bit faster because you're walking a little bit too slow. Why does he say walk? One Japanese theologian, Kusuke Koyama, made an interesting insight when he said this. He says, we serve a three-mile-an-hour God. He said this because Jesus did this, his whole ministry, in a hundred mile radius and walked everywhere he went. The average pace of Jesus walking was three miles per hour. It says, then you will walk. In the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, it says, keep in step with the spirit. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. How many of you thought before, God, you're just working too slow for me? I need you to speed up a little bit quicker because you don't understand what's happen, happening down here. I need you to, to, to speed up the pace, God. I'm running over here. Catch up with me. Maybe what God is calling us to do is to catch up with him back there we're moving too far ahead God has a pace are we in step with that pace Kuyama says love has its speed it's a spiritual speed it's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which you are accustomed it goes on in the, the depth of our life. Whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour, it is the speed we walk, and therefore, the speed the love of God walks. You feeling burnout? You feeling stressed out? Could God be calling you to say, catch up with me back here, wait on me, trust me? You're all, you're all the way up there trying to work out your own plans. Live it at God's speed. Lastly, it's this, his presence. Okay, verses 25 through 26. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. When commentator, D.A. Garnett, says this. He says, the climax of the text is the promise that God will be beside the follower of wisdom. Proverbs never implies that people can be safe through their own wisdom. Common sense and personal competence are soon exhausted if God's protection is missing. Like, lean into that. Common sense and personal competence are soon exhausted if God's protection is missing. Are you exhausted? Are you weary? Are you saying, God, I... And then what happens within our sinfulness is we we blame it on God. God, where are you at? Why 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 am I so exhausted right now? Have we thought about this? Because we pray, we say, well, God, just give me the strength to push through. Give me this, 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 and this. Could we be... Could we think for a minute minute, that maybe we are asking God to bless our disobedience? God, bless my disobedience as I disobey you and what you already laid out. You told me I needed a Sabbath, but yeah, I don't really need that. But God, can you bless me in this? What's his presence? See, where, where did Solomon learn the destructive nature of all of this? Why is he pleading so desperately? Well, he's probably heard it firsthand of how much you and I need it. See, there's a distressing moment in the life of his father, King David, in Psalm 3. What's happening is life is crumbling around David. His empire is being taken over by his own son, Absalom. And everything just feels like He's just in full-on distress. At that point, people are looking at him and they want Absalom to be king, not him anymore. David's old news. And on top of that, how could David be with, or how could God be with David after all he's done? What we find in Psalm 3, 5 8 is this. David says this, he says, I cried aloud to the Lord, And he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. What's he saying? Well, David is remembering God's presence in his life. At the very beginning of of Psalm 3, he's discouraged, he's exhausted, he's running on empty. And then as we get to this passage here, he's remembering and he's preaching to himself like we talked about last week. He's preaching to himself, he's talking to himself, and reminding himself is, is... That the Lord is with me. He says, verse four, I cried aloud to the Lord. He passionately prayed out to God. He calls out to God. Verse five, he lay down and slept. I awoke again for the Lord sustained me. Some of us feel like we don't have permission to sleep. That's why we don't go to sleep. We don't feel like we have permission. Well, I just can't. But if you, is that what God's telling you? Could God be saying, you know, it's okay to lay down and rest. It's okay to sleep. That's not what my boss said. Basically, he thinks I should be re- working 24 hours a day. Do you know that's the world you live in right now? Where you can be contacted on your device at any moment, at any hour of the day? Now, the question is, will you run at that pace? Is God encouraging you to run at that pace? Verse six, I will not be afraid. He has a personal conviction. Here's what his conviction is. David has made a resolution to confidently face the worst with God's help. He's made a resolve to face the worst with God's help. God's there. He does this because he understands God's presence in his life. I remember my wife was a part of a Bible study with a lady, Laura Georgia Caucus. And she said this, and it stuck with me. She says, Anxiety is always about the future and imagining a future without God. And that is a lie because God is always with us. Fear is going to place to a place where God is not, and there is no such place. Some of us are driven to a place where we feel like, God, you're not, you, you surely couldn't be there. His presence is there. And so, as we think on this text, as we think about God's presence, how could David, who let's just name off some things that he did. He, he committed adultery, he murdered somebody, a man who, who would have been a part of his mighty men, murders him. Marries his wife. What we find out from the life of Absalom is that he's a failed parent because his family's falling apart. Where can David come to if all of his life was falling apart and how could he know that God still hurt him in his biggest distress and tragedy? Well, in verse 5, he says, I cried to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. From his holy hill. Now, when, he th- when David would have thought about the holy hill, here's what he would have thought of. It would have been Mount Zion. That's what Solomon would have thought of, the place of sacrifice for sin. That's where sins are sacrificed for, at the- Mount Zion, all of those things. Like, But when you and I think about this, because it's all projecting forward, right? Everything is projecting forward, as we talked about in the Seder dinner. That whole dinner, that whole feast was projecting forward to what? Jesus. And so when you and I think about the holy hill, what do we think of? For us today, we think of Calvary. We think of the holy hill where Jesus willingly died on the cross for our sins. Why do you do it? Out of love? Out of a, a reminder that when you're discouraged, when you're, you're hurting, when, you, when you're going through those moments where you're just filled with stress and anxiety, that God loves you and that he's there with you? Jesus paid the debt for our guilt, failure, shame that we deserved. See, He was on that holy hill That God showed us that His grace is sufficient for us, and He loves us in our darkest moments. When you know that, can you lay your head on the pillow at night and find rest for your weary soul? And to know that God is enough? He's calling us to remember His presence. How do we get that presence? It's when we looked at the holy hill. Just some takeaways. How can we begin to live at God's speed? First one is this. might seem funny to us, but I wanted to say it. Differentiate rest from laziness. Differentiate rest from laziness. There are some of us right now that think that resting, and even Sabbath, is being lazy. And here's what we're doing. Well, here's what we're not doing. We're not looking at what God's pattern is. We're forgetting that. We're forgetting the, what, what he laid out for us. And then secondly, what we're doing is we're forgetting the gospel. See, for some of us, we think that I can only rest if I just keep working. Working. Because I have to earn it. I haven't earned it. Do you know what's going to go on in your head? It's just going to be a repeating loop of I haven't done enough. How do you speak to that loop that's inside your mind, inside of your head, that says that, and speak the gospel back to it and says, no, Jesus did enough. God did enough. What did it say? After God had accomplished everything, he had, he had created the world, he did it, then he rested. What's the gospel loop that you're going to put into your heart and mind when you think about resting? Is it going to be, okay, God did it first for me, so that gives me the ability to rest in him? There's a differentiation Right, and so ask, because we need, do need to ask at times, am I being lazy? Because that can be destructive in our life, too. Right, We're going to talk about work ethic in a couple weeks, but when it comes to laziness specifically, is it laziness or are you and I leaning on our own understanding? Because that's what it, do not lean on your own understanding. Maybe that's what you think, or that's what you've been taught, but is that God's understanding of it? Because laziness is—it it can be destructive. Proverbs 19.5 says, Laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless go hungry. Like, yes. You're just, like, not doing your work all the time. You're just kind of resting your eye, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm resting my eyes. I'm not doing anything, you know? Like, yes, that can be destructive. But is that what it is? Or... Do we have another problem? Next one, learn to slow down. Learn to slow down. This is, again, can I put away the technology? Can I go for a walk? Can can I just sit for a moment and just stare at the wall? Redefine what it looks like to use some of these electronics that feel like they control our lives? Are there some things that I can remove from my calendar to have some space? Is it okay to just go take a walk on the beach, which we live in San Diego? We live in San Diego. Like, is it okay to go walk on the beach and just watch the waves come in? Is it okay just to go out? To a nice meal. Yeah. Like, learn to slow down. Set aside quiet moments with the Lord. Set aside quiet moments for prayer. Could that be the call that God's giving you? Next one, remember the Lord of the Sabbath. Remember the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, in the New Testament, there was this whole argument with the Pharisees, and they were all about not healing on the Sabbath, and they were all about rule keeping on the Sabbath, and all this stuff. It became this legalistic thing. And and Jesus comes back at him and says, Don't you know that the Sabbath is for you? Like, again, like that, it it is the Sabbath is for man. Not man for the Sabbath, like, Sabbath is for you. That's why he put it in creation. <laughs> and so to remember that, we have to remember the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who made it possible. See, friends, if we, if we don't have the Lord of the Sabbath, then there will be another Lord of our lives that's running and dictating our lives, that isn't going to sound like Jesus. It's going to sound like somebody that just wants to drive our lives into the ground, and so how do we set those boundaries? Start with the Lord of the Sabbath. Lord, I put my confidence in you. I put my trust in you. See, we know it. We, we know this. Research tells us that abandoning sleep is gonna be a number one destroyer of your health, of your effectiveness. It can take out your adrenal glands. I think that's what was happening to me, honestly. I was just like, I wasn't dealing with the distress and you stress very well, and so it was like I was always just feeling zapped. There are physical ways in which God has created you and your body and how that works. See, in the midst of our stress, fear, anxiety, the first thing to go is usually sleep. But remember what verse 24 says. It says, if you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Like, how can we get to that place? Lord, help us to get to that place. Lord, help us to live in God's speed. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. The Lord of the Sabbath says this to you and me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a beautiful invitation? Come to me. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. He's like, I know that you've got a lot on your shoulders. Hand it over to me. Stop trying to do this on your own. Remember that I'm with you. And here's the gospel. The gospel is this. It reminds us that Jesus secured our rest. Jesus secured our rest and says, come, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. What's that mean? That you're walking with me. The yoke is like you are right there next to him, like walking at the pace of what God has said. How do you celebrate the gospel? How do you celebrate the good news? You celebrate with rest. Jesus invites us to live like this. See, Jesus was rushed to the cross so that we could live at his speed. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today. We just ask that you will help us live in wisdom. As much as we try, as much as we can rage against it, we are not above this. We are under it. And you've given us your commands out of love. You love us. And so your call is to live within that love. Help us to do that, Lord. Teach us your ways. Help us to walk on your path. We pray this in Jesus' name.